everybody out there. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. As you can probably tell, there's a little bit of giggling going on. We've been having a little bit of fun with our uh, with each other and with our Facebook Live uh, audience before we started the audio version of the podcast today. Um, today is Tuesday, October 15th, and we are on Genesis 31 today. Uh, as we are continuing to venture deeper into the Old Testament for the first time on the podcast. Um, I am Brent Smith, and I'm joined by Daniel Yelverton, as always. And then today, we are joined by Tiffany Wiss as well. Hi, everybody. What is your official title here now? Um, oh, I hate when you do this to me. I'm like, <laughs> youth leader? Okay. Yeah, I think that's it. Really? <laughs> you look to me like that's so lame. No, I didn't. I couldn't remember. Next generation <laughs> youth leader. Aim director is aim director. Aim director. See, this sure. is why I asked because there's great so many. That, that Phil has joined us for the live yeah. podcast. Hey, Phil. <laughs> Maybe we can clear, hey, clear yeah, yeah, bring some clarity to Tiffany's title. Hey, Phil, <laughs> tell us what her title is. Um, but her and her husband Jeff, we've we've talked about this already on here, yeah. but they are co-leading um, the youth movement here at Elevation Community Church now, and Jeff. Was was actually watching just a couple minutes ago on Facebook Live. So if you're there, Jeff, hello. Welcome in. There it is. Thank Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for the clarification. AIM Student Director. AIM Student Leader, duh. AIM Student Director. Or Director. So (laughs) Tiffany is our AIM Student Director, and she is nice enough to join us today. Um, Last week was the first week of the month. So every first week of the month, the way we have things set up now is we're going to have different people join us each time. As you know, uh, Daniel's wife, Lainey, was on with us last week. Um, She was able to join us and be a part of the conversation. We had a lot of fun with that. Um, And then each following week of the month, Tiffany's going to be joining us the second week. Uh, Pastor Phil's going to join us as our guest the third week. And then um, Michael Miller, that used to be on here with us all the time, that many of you know now, um, our eKids director, um, he is going to be joining us on the fourth week of every month. So that'll be kind of what you're tuning into, just so you guys have a heads up on that um, for watching and listening as we move forward. Um, But as I said, today we are on Genesis 31, and we'll go ahead and get right into it. Um, Can... Daniel, can you give us a little bit of a context or a setup on this? Yeah, sure. So uh, we've kind of gone from generation to generation uh, when we last started. So we were in, what, 24. So Abraham was still alive. And um, uh, so now uh, we Abraham has uh, died. And now Isaac, his son, has had twins, uh, Esau and Jacob. Uh, they have a very dysfunctional family. It's would be really good reality television if they actually made it reality television. I mean, yeah. it is is messed up. And so uh, now we're kind of in this point where uh, Jacob has stolen his older brother's blessing. Now he's fled. He's gone to the land of his kind of relatives. He's got, he's married uh, two women and that's caused a lot of problems. And then he's got, why? why? why I know. Yeah. I don't like, know. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's <laughs> gotta be some sort of application here, but um, it's hard enough. <laughs> so, I didn't say that. Um, You're not allowed to say no, that. No, I can't say that. I love you, Lainey. Um, but uh, anyway, so so yeah, so there's just so much dysfunction going on. And honestly, I really see like that when desires are misplaced, when expectations uh, are misplaced, that it gives birth to all kinds of manipulation and deception. And, and so you see that all through in this story that... Um, you know, Rachel is manipulating Jacob. Jacob is manipulating his brother, his parents. Uh, Jacob, uh, Laban is manipulating Jacob. Uh, and so there's just this, this mess that's kind of happening. And, um, and so we see kind of this, that God though is still even faithful in the process. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting though, is that through most of the story of Jacob, when he is 
when he arrives in uh, Heron, I guess that's where his uh, he's at right now with his uncle Laban, you really don't have God. You don't see God speaking to him at all, which I guess may be telling uh, and as this whole like family dynamics has gone wild. And then now eventually now in 31, Jacob is, is leaving Laban and he's fleeing from Laban, um, his uncle, uh, with his daughters, both of his daughters. And then they're, uh, they're hoping to go back to his homeland. Basically that's, yeah. that's the plan. Uh, and then there's an interesting dynamic coming up where he's going to run into his brother Esau that he stole his blessing from. Um, and so there's just a lot of mess that's happening. And so we're kind of jump parachuting in into Jacob leaving. We get to see some terrible family dynamics, even in this chapter. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of what's going on. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Mm-hmm. You always do a great setup for us, man. I appreciate it. Um, wanted to say hello. We've had some other people tune in. Uh, Mel Stein. I went to school with him. What's up, Mel? Um, Donna Collins. Uh, Phil Nelson is still here. Jeez. Yay. <laughs> uh, Bill Tackett. My friend Nigel from Northern Ireland. Hey, Nigel. What's going on, man? Um, and Lori. Win- is it Winicky? Winicky? I don't know. I don't see that on mine. I only see his bill, and I and see Jeremy, Jeremy Kaler. Hey, okay. Jeremy. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. Lori, if you want to correct us and tell us how to pronounce your last name, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into the scripture. Daniel has done the setup for us. Just wanted to say hi to those people that are watching. Um, we're going to throw to the scripture now, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Uh, this is Genesis 31 from the Dwell app that we use every week to do our reading for us. So we will be right back. Now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was, and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me, if he said, The spotted shall be your wages. Then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The striped shall be your wages. Then all the flock bore striped. Thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, and made a vow to me. Now, arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance 
left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padam Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods, and Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had, and arose and crossed the Euphrates, and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him, and pursued him for seven days, and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night, and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done, that you have tricked me, and driven away my daughters like captives of a sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me, and did not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants. But he did not find them, and he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but he did not find the household gods. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin? that you have hotly pursued me. 
for you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your youths and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. By day the heat consumed me, the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jigger Sehadutha, but Jacob called it Galead. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore, he named it Galead and Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between you and me. When we are out of one another's sight, if you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me? This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. 
All right, you guys, and we are back from the Dwell app. That was Genesis 31. Um, obviously, a very long chapter again. What do you guys want to get into first on that? I mean, I think it's what's interesting is when you're re- when you're reading these chapters uh, to go from chapter 29 to 31. There's 20 years that kind of transpires, and mm-hmm. so you have to kind of put some of the pieces together, right? You're on, you're trying to figure out like a like. It seems like Jacob is just like making this really terrible decision to just run away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to also see that uh, Laban has been just mistreating him and mistreating him constantly. Yeah, um, he's lied to him, he's deceived him. Um, he did this whole kind of weird bait and switch uh, with his wife, <laughs> nice. uh, which is just strange. Uh, with his daughter, <laughs> um, and so uh, so anyway, so so obviously Jacob doesn't trust Laban. Um, and so he's kind of going through this whole like a uh, process of fleeing and then Laban kind of comes after him. But I think what's kind of, you see kind of overarching in the story is that God has been watching this whole thing. Like God has been with Jacob this whole time. He's obscene all of the kind of injustice that's kind of taken place. And I mean, sure, there's there's opportunities where we can kind of blame Jacob for some of the choices that he's made to the position that he's in. But God is still there and God is still watching over him and God is still protecting him, even to the point where Laban pursues him with an army. And the Lord tells Laban, like, don't touch him, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like warning him in a dream. Um, And so uh, to me, that really sticks out that regardless of our current circumstances, that God has never left us, that God is not vigilant and that God has just kind of abandoned us to whatever our situation may be, even if it may feel like he has, Mm -hmm. you know, it may seem in this 20 years that, that it's like that Jacob's been mistreated, that he's, that he's gotten so much injustice that's kind of taken place in his life. And like I said, some of it is probably self-inflicted, but regardless of the situation, God is still watching over Jacob and God is there and he's intervening and he's working even if we don't necessarily kind of see him actually intervening he is still there to protect him and as you see the wealth of Jacob has increased so much in this period of time and I feel like God has has watched over him in that and he's carried on the blessing from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob yeah and he's been faithful to that blessing and it's encouraging is that it's not like Jacob's really deserved that blessing because I mean his character is a little suspect, and some of the things that he's done is pretty shady. Um, but <laughs> God is really—he's still faithful, and to me, that is uh, is so encouraging um, to know. Even like when I've messed up or when I've made the wrong choices, that not only is God there to uh, to watch over, to uh, to make sure that justice kind of happens in inju- in the areas of injustice, but also that uh, He can still use. Um, my mistakes in a way that could bring him glory and still have his purposes accomplished. So yeah. that that was one of the things that really stuck out to me in this chapter. Yeah. I love to see God's faithfulness through, um, it's kind of fun to watch. He makes this deal with Laban about only keeping the spotted and the striped and the mortaled goats. And Laban's like, yeah, you know, I'll, sure, you'll feel like you're getting your scraps or whatever and every, everything will be fine. And then God works through that messed up deal mm-hmm. to take all of Laban's livestock basically, and transfers everything because there's basically not a a goat that's born after that that doesn't have a stripe or a spot or isn't mortaled. So it's just cool to see God use that jacked up deal to be like, watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to honor my blessing to Jacob and I'm going to just completely transfer all this stuff. And there's nothing Laban's going to be able to do about it because it's a deal that he fully agreed to because he thought he was going to get the benefit from. So yeah, exactly. That's just fun to see. Yeah. And, and, and even that he changed it, like he changed the deal 
10 different times to try to outwit the situation, but you, you can't do that to God. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. he's sovereign in that. And that whenever he said, okay, you only get the spotted ones and they were all spotted and they're like, Oh no, no, you can't get spotted anymore. And then they said like, you know, get striped or streaked or whatever it is. And he's like, yeah. And then all of them were streaked and striped. And so it's less, it's, it's amazing that, um, you know, that for one, I think, uh, you see at the very beginning when Jacob's on his journey that God reveals himself to him in Bethel. And, and he promises, you know, that, that God is going, God promises he's going to bless him and, and, and Jacob promises to basically trust God as he continues to provide for him. Yeah. And he continues to pro- prove himself faithful, which is just awesome. Yeah. So, hi, hi, Lindsay <clears throat> English. Hi, Jerry. Good to see you guys. Hey, Stephanie. Oh, hi, Jerry. Welcome. It's uh, my friend <laughs> Stephanie that um, I used to work with then in Nashville. Hey, Stephanie. Good to have you. Um, so, yeah, so I made a lot of notes as, as uh, I was listening to this, uh, kind of just to get us through, because um, it's so many things in this chapter, yeah. 10 minutes worth of chapter to listen to or to read. Um, so I want to ask a question, um, because they never really deal with it, I don't think. Uh, when they're leaving, when they decide that they're going to sneak out away from Laban, why does Rachel steal his household gods? I don't know. I mean, like, that's I think, something I've never understood either. When I read it, I'm like, why does she do that? Yeah, like, I don't. I think there's a lot of love lost because the, the way they respond to when 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 Jacob's like, "Hey, uh, we need to leave," like, and they're like, "Yeah, our dad treats us terribly. He treats yeah. us like foreign women. He's blown all the money away. You know, mm-hmm. uh, gambled it away or whatever they did back in the day. He's just he's wasted all the money that you used to kind of pay for us." Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of love lost there. Or maybe it was too, like, it's got to be hard. You know, we read this and we just don't think anything of it. But for them, they had to pack up and leave everything they had ever known. Yeah. So maybe, because for me, I'm more sentimental. So when I read these Bible stories, I always, I feel bad for the dad. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, when he's like, can I say goodbye to my daughters and my grandchildren? I'm like... That poor man, you know, right. I, I know he did was wrong, but I always think of how hard that must be. And then so I think about Rachel and Leah, they have to leave um, all they've ever known and probably never come back. So maybe for Rachel, it was just grabbing a couple of things that like the gods that meant something from her childhood to hang on to. Yeah. I don't know. That's just a thought that I had. But. Yeah. So you think sentimentality, Daniel, yeah. you think maybe spitefulness? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, it really could be, we don't because know. Because she is, she's a believer, uh-huh. right? So she, she's not taking these gods so that she can worship them. No. I think it's, that's a tough question, Britt, because there's kind of like this mixture of like, there's always going to be this kind of mixture of polytheism, polytheism and, and cultural influence that's kind of taking place. Sure. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so just as much as there is in our culture, it's, it's easy to lose sight of God being, um, you know, soul provider, soul protector, things like that. When, you know, somebody might say, Hey, this really worked for me kind of thing. And I think you should worship this God because it'll, you get rain on your crops and stuff like that. And so like, even though it says that Laban would be kind of, cause he talks about the God of his father, nay, was it Nabor? Na- very, Nahor. Nahor at the end and the God of Abraham. Right. And so there's, they're kind of speaking of the same God, but it doesn't seem like the application has gone super deep with, Laban, especially with some of the character issues that he makes. But anyway, it's like, or the, the questionable stuff that he does. And so I don't know. I don't know if there's just like a kind of a blend, like, you know, you kind of have God here and your other gods here kind of thing. And, mm. um, 
but yeah, so and I and I don't know. I don't know if it's out of spite, like you said, or or sentimentality. I, I don't think we really have a lot of clarity. Well, on exactly and you got to think too, like back then, you know, the gods were like what everybody did. You know, everybody had these gods, and then today we don't really see that. So when we see that, we're like, well, we don't have gods today, but we do have other things that we worship today. So you think about it today, it would be like if you had to leave and you grab like something that's super important to you that mm-hmm. you're almost like, like as an idol to you yeah. over God. So yeah, it might be grab, Oh, let me grab a couple of pictures of my kids and let me grab, you know, the, this jewelry that means so much to me mm-hmm. that could be, those are our idols. Mm-hmm. Some of us today. So to me, that's kind of like her. She was like, Oh my gosh, let me just grab, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it, I it's know. interesting too, to see that Laban was put in such a bad position because he was angry because somebody stole his household gods. Yeah. And then he's on his way to f- catch them and be like, okay, give me my stuff back. And then God or an angel comes to him the night before and says, don't speak badly mm-hmm. to, to Jacob. Don't, touch, don't him, yeah. touch him. Don't yeah. do anything good or bad. Yep. Um, so then he gets there and they really did steal them, but then they hide them from him and he never knows. So it's just, he's put in like a weird situation, almost kind of like humiliated because then Jacob berates him. And um, you can't and, help it. Somebody sorry actually for him stole and, his stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's where like, I wonder like there's obviously you see the, that Laban hasn't been innocent in this whole process of how he's treated Jacob. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I don't know if it's like a retribution thing or whatever it is. And, and Lindsay, you just brought up a great point. Lindsay English just commented uh, and, and said that maybe she was taking them as the gods were worthless and their God was the true, uh, was true and provided for them regardless of what their father did. And I think that that's a great point yeah. because they, they didn't, there wasn't oh, like a, there, it wasn't because of their value or worth. However, it's interesting because Laban apparently sees them as valuable because he's really kind of been out of shape about it. And, and Jacob also kind of sees it as valuable because he says that if anybody's stolen this, they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so like, it's, it is this weird kind of like, all right, where is their, uh, where's their allegiance? Where is their worship going to, uh, in this kind of situation? Um, and so, yeah. And we have Jerry cook is watching. Hello, Jerry. We've got like, we're like international today, man. I know. We've got Northern awesome. Ireland. We've got uh, Malawi. We've got... Uh, <laughs> Blanchester, Ohio. Yeah, Blanchester, Nashville. Pretty cool. So guys, <laughs> thanks for uh, joining in and we'd love to get your guys' questions. So keep sending them like Lindsay just sent, uh, not a question, but uh, uh, a comment to join in the conversation. Please feel free to continue that. Um, so one thing that I thought was um, interesting in this is that um, when the angel does come to Laban, like mm-hmm. there's basically like he knows somebody stole his gods and, and his things, but the angel comes to him and tells him, don't you say anything good or bad. Do you think that if you knew somebody sold your stuff and then an angel came to you and said, don't say anything good or bad to them. Do you think even though, you know, somebody stole you, stole your stuff, do you think that you could not in the moment get caught up in it and, uh, and say something about it? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know that we haven't had that experience. I was going to say, none of us have, well, I don't experience. know, some, of, but I've never seen an angel. Yeah. Um, and so I imagine that if I did, I would probably listen to whatever they tell me. Yeah. Because I imagine that they, you know, like people think of angels as these like pretty soft things, like pretty nice, but they're, they're very powerful. And mm-hmm. if you ever saw one, you, you would be probably a little afraid, um, and so I don't think if a if an angel came to me and was like, okay, you know, do not do not be, say anything of harm to this person, even if I wanted to, I think if that angel told me not to, yeah. 
I would, out of fear, I would listen. Yeah, but. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, it, and it's, it actually, I was looking at this and it says, it, pre- it says the previous night, God, not even just, oh, angels, was it God? It, it was God angel. appeared to I'm Laban, sorry. the Armenian, oh. in a dream and told him, I am warning you, leave Jacob alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, one, I mean, there is blame to be cast on both sides, right? But yeah. God is still going to have his purposes accomplished, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, and we'll see that even with Esau, like when Jacob's coming back and he's running into Esau, he has to like, it's almost like God is there going before him and intervening for him, even it, despite the broken relationships mm-hmm. that he's created, the decisions that he's made, the different things that have happened. And it, I mean, I think when it comes to relational conflict, it usually t- it takes two, right? I right. mean, like there's going to be times when somebody's just going to be all like, it's going to be all somebody else's fault, but that's probably not usually the case. Usually it's kind of a back and forth kind of thing. And, and so, uh, but still in this whole process, God is saying that, that I'm going to accomplish my purpose. I am going to bless Jacob. I'm going to make him a, a great nation and the world is going to be blessed through him. And so that's where I think that you're kind of, um, that even that, that that's the thing is that the kind of weird kind of back and forth that you get with the old Testament is that you have these really flawed people mm-hmm. and God's still using them. God's still using them for his glory and for his purposes. I don't yeah. know about you guys, but that relieves me so much yeah. because there's so many times that I'm, you know, I mess up or I do things I shouldn't do. And I, I just kind of beat myself up. But then when you read the old Testament, I mean, we're not talking little things. We're talking like, they did major, look at Abraham and Sarah, like all the things they did. And then you look at Jacob and how he betrayed his dad and betrayed his brother and just really bad things that they did and that God still uh, forgives them and and blesses them and uses them and he never gives up on them. Mm -hmm. So that always comforts me when I'm reading the Old Testament because I'm thinking, well, you know, he, he used really flawed people to um, carry out his plan. Yeah. And I think what's also really cool in this is that you see that Jacob is, is honorable in the things that have happened. Mm -hmm. So like when a sheep was, uh, when a sheep was stolen or when a sheep died, like he didn't take that away from Laban and just say that's losses, right? He paid for it out of his own Mm -hmm. kind of wages. He paid for it out of his own. And, And so I think that what's really interesting is here is that Jacob comes with nothing up to Haran and now he leaves with a family and he leaves with great wealth. Mm-hmm. And even when his boss per se is, is, uh, is cheating him, is changing his wages, is doing all of these things. Um, he is one, Jacob is one that is, is still honorable in how he, and how he works and how he, his effort that he puts in, but God ultimately still blesses him mm-hmm. above and beyond the situation that he's in. And so I don't know. I think that that's like, like when when we're mistreated, right? And when somebody mistreats us, the the instant response is to make is is to enact justice, right? Yeah. Or to get vengeance, or yeah. to do to take control of the situation to make sure that we're heard, we're understood, or that we get what we owed or do. Right. And and you know I think that Jacob in this instance is could have very well you know, done like, you know, kind of treated Laban the same way in some ways he kind of did. So like, it's not the perfect analogy, but what I think is great is that God is still, um, he's, he's, he is the one that is, he's the instrument of justice, right? Mm -hmm. And he's the one that's going to provide the blessing and he's the one that's going to carry out the blessing. 
um, regardless of how many people push against uh, what God is doing, he's still going to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Even to the where he is changing the genetics of the animals that are being bred to where Jacob is still receiving more and more and more. And every time somebody tries to stop or frustrate God, that doesn't stop him at all. Um, and so I think for me, like, I love this because uh, regardless of the situation that I'm in, I know that God is greater than it. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the injustice that's happening in my life, whether it's uh, somebody doing something unjust to me, whether it's a workplace injustice, whether it's a family injustice, whether it's just like, um, you know, met with uh, some of our missionaries and they're experiencing some great injustice throughout the world, um, violence, death, all kinds of stuff. But that God uh, is the one that's ultimately in control, right? And he's the one that can carry out his plan and purpose in the midst of evil, in the midst of injustice. Um, and, and so that to me speak like the character of God comes out in these chapters in such an awesome way that we can hope in that and we can trust in that. Um, I think it's in first Peter where it says that even though they hurled insults at Jesus, that, that, that Jesus entrusted his case to God who always judges fairly. Mm. And I think that we're, that there's going to be, because of our world is broken and fallen, there's going to be injustice. There's going to be bad bosses. There's going to be terrible family situations. There's going to be people that manipulate, lie, steal, and kill. You know, and but ultimately, God is going to be the one that's going to make all things right, mm-hmm. and He's going to enact perfect justice. And we can release that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can release the injustice that we're experiencing to Him and trust Him with the results, and trust Him that He can work supernaturally in our situation. Uh, whether it takes, you know, twenty years. You know, it took twenty years for Jacob to to get kind of where he is right now, and and so I think that that's. Um, you know, that, that to me kind of really just like pops out in this chapter and in, in the overall story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, God just proves through this again and again, that his promises are true. And, um, we are called, as you were talking about, we are called to trust in him for justice. And I know that as believers, as, you know, as the world changes, as things change as we're told that they will. Um, I think it's better now to start practicing that and putting trust in him and letting him have justice in your life um, and get practice on that now Mm -hmm. before things get really bad and then you don't have practice at that. And that is so important, like you said, to practice because, you know, it's one thing to read this Bible story and to think, okay, you know, that's true. When things happen to me, I got to remember that. But then when life hits Mm -hmm. and things happen to you, 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 you forget, Mm -hmm. you, you you know, it's just so easy to forget and say, Oh God, why are you letting this happen to me? What is going on? Uh, so like you said, Brent, it is so important. And I think too, that's why it's so important to be in the word daily because that's part of our practice being praying daily constantly, because it's just a reminder of that God's timing isn't our timing Mm -hmm. and that God, we can't understand why things happen because we're not God. Last week at youth, we we watched a Louis Giglio uh, sermon about the, um, oh, I forget what it was titled, but it was all about the love of God and how it kind of made you realize how big God is because it talked about how he made all the stars and he talked about how stars, one star, Beetlejuice, is the size of six Empire State Buildings stacked on top of each other. That big. Mm. And how... You know, the earth, if it was the size of a golf ball, put it next to the Empire State Building six times and put a little dot on it. And that's you. Mm -hmm. 
And that just really hit a lot of our youth and it hit me. And I think you can apply that when you're reading the Old Testament. Like I, I've been thinking about that this week as I've been reading the Old Testament. I'm like, okay, God, you know, while this is going on, while Jacob is dealing with these things, you're breathing out stars that we can't even fathom how big they are. So it's like, why do we in our life, when things go wrong, we freak out and we don't trust God when God is just so like we, our minds can't even fathom how big he is. So, but I do, I think it needs to be a daily practice, a daily reminder um, of, you know, looking up at the stars and just thinking, okay, God, you're so much bigger than this situation. And just practicing that constant, um, giving the situation to God and submitting it to him. Yeah. So constant trust in him. Yeah. I think what kind of the shift to kind of control and worry, um, in the conversation is a really good one. And, and for me, that drew me to Philippians four. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, a, a verse that people will use about, uh, about worry and about anxiety. Um, and sometimes it can be kind of condemning for lack of a better term when say, don't worry, you know, just stop, stop worrying kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, and I think that there is, um, there's times when the, the situation so overwhelming that we lose sight of that. Like we lose mm-hmm. sight of it. Just like when Peter walked out on water and the waves got really big, we lose sight of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to cry out for God to save us in those moments. Um, and so this is not, uh, an indictment on people that are worrying right now, but I think what's cool is that Paul gives us some, some applications, some tools some resources mm-hmm. to use in this moment. And it says, you know, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I love this. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And, uh, and I think that we're talking about the promises of God, right? And, uh, and Jacob, uh, he knows that, you know, the promises of God and he's seen all the things that promise, all the promises of God. So you can look back and see, God, this is what you've done in my situation. Like, I thank you for this. Thank you for this. Because if God is the same, then he's always going to be faithful. Right. Mm -hmm. And if God provides and that's who he is, then he's going to provide. Right. I don't know what the timeline looks like, mm-hmm. but but we can trust him because of his character and his reputation and his and his credentials, basically. Um, and so we tell God for what we need and we thank him for all he's done. And then it says that that, that you will experience God's peace and that that ex, that, pa- that surpasses understanding and it will guard your hearts uh, and minds. And I was talking to somebody this morning about a situation that we experienced um, when we had kids. Uh, my son Judah around three months, just wouldn't sleep on his back. And so, you know, we're always taught, you know, have him sleep on the back, have him sleep on the back because you don't want them, you know, yeah. to suffocate like when they're sleeping. Mm. And and so he wouldn't fall asleep. And so he would, he would turn on his stomach and he would fall asleep on his stomach. Mm. And I remember just being absolutely terrified, mm. you know, and like every night, like just mm. being terrified that I wouldn't lose my son in the night. Mm. And, and I know that's happened to people before. And if that's your situation, we're so sorry. Like it's, I can't imagine how awful that, that experience mm-hmm. was. And, and, um, and so, but in this situation for me personally, I had to, I had to trust God. I had to say, all right, God, I trust you. You know, I, I know that you, it says in Psalms, uh, 127 that unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen watch in vain kind of thing. And so I kind of took that principle of saying, mm-hmm. unless the Lord is watching over my kid, mm-hmm. I'm going to parent in vain, you know, and unless yeah. the Lord is watching over Jacob, 
in this situation. He's not going to get in this situation. He's not going to, his family's not going to grow. He's not going to receive this wealth. The Lord is watching over him. Mm -hmm. And unless the Lord is watching over all of us, you know, the things that we try to control, we're going to control in vain because we can't. We're, we're so limited. We're so limited in what we can do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm limited to sleep, and I have to sleep, and I need, my body needs sleep, so I cannot stay awake and make sure that my son takes a breath every single breath, you mm-hmm. know, while he's sleeping in the crib. I think all of us first-time parents tried. I yeah. know I did. I can remember oh, yeah. Drew just staring at him. That's I know. one of the things nobody tells you about. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to be no. terrified. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very scary. It, and so, and I think that that's, that's going to be, that's part of it is like, that knowing that Lord, the Lord is always vigilant, and just in for Jacob and just like he is with us. So unless he is watching over the things that we love and care about, the things that we, are, we know are out of our control, then we, we are doing it in vain, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing it in vain because God is, is so much more vigilant, so much more powerful, so much more in control. He's the one that can give my son breath. I can't, yeah. you know, I can't do that. Yeah. And, and so there's, there has to be some sort of release for us when it comes to these situations like this, this, and, and it, and that relates to injustice. Like there has to be some sort of release to that where we say this is something that's out of my control and if I try to take control of it it's actually going to end up being worse mm-hmm. you know uh and so uh and so I think that there is a lot there's kind of this this back and forth of what we do with control or the the illusion of control or the effort to try to control and and instead of making that something that drives us to anxiety uh, which I think is really common right now very common in, in our culture to try yeah. to growing. control yeah. uh what people think about us control our kids, mm-hmm. control the things that we value, control our finances, things that we just don't have control over, control the whether good things or bad things happen to us. We try to control these things and yeah. not they'll drive us to worry and anxiety. And so instead of trying to control that, um, you know, tell God what you need. And I said, Lord, I need you to watch over my son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and God, you have been faithful every night mm-hmm. and you've watched over him every night. And so I trust you. And I'll continue to trust you. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen or that something unfortunate can't is not possible, but I know I can trust you. And then you probably experience the peace it, that that's surpasses exactly all understanding. Mm-hmm. And that, isn't yep. that crazy? Because like when we, when we released yeah. that, it does it like it, it, it gave me peace. Yeah. I was able to sleep and I was able to know that he is in control and I can trust him with because that. that's his word. And yeah. a little plug for aim uh, we're right now we're doing a series on anxiety because like you said, Daniel, it is such an issue mm-hmm. and our, our youth are experiencing anxiety more now than any generation ever has. Um, I just heard a statistic that should some, um, said something about the average person's anxiety is where people had to go and be treated like in the hospital back in like the early 1900s. So our levels of anxiety today are just out of control. So we're talking about that right now at the youth. And this Sunday, we're actually speaking from Philippians 4 to our students because I think so many of our students don't understand what to do with this anxiety that they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it is so true. I love that verse because anytime in my mind I start to get afraid about something or worry if you just do, you just release it to God and realize that God has it. He does every time he gives you that peace. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, something else that I want to, um, 
just it, it's a good reminder. It's convicting. I'm speaking to myself as much as I am to everybody else. But also know, too, that when we're called to do these things, when we're called to have this faith and give things up to God. Um, I had a meeting with the worship team a couple weeks ago, and and one of the things that I included in these um, family values that I'd put together, mm-hmm. um, something to give to them to rem- like, as a reminder of, like, if you're on this team, you're a leader, you're, you're called to be here, but you're also called to responsibility and representation and things like that for not just the worship team, but for our congregation, for our church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you know, we talk about, I always finish the podcast with, you know, go out there and let the, let the light of God let shine through you to the mm-hmm. world, be a blessing to the world. And, um, something that comes with that, that responsibility is that people are always watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a little bit more of a conviction to remember, to just try to give that stuff up to God because people are watching. And if you're not doing it, and if you're, if you're a believer and you're claiming you live this life, but people see you just immersed in worry and anxiety all the time and letting these things get to you because you're carrying that yoke upon yourself instead of giving that yoke over to Jesus, it's going to show and it's going to be, and it it can be an issue. So, um, like I said, I'm speaking to myself just as much, but, Mm -hmm. um, just for conviction, it's just something that's so important for us to, to not just talk about, but to live by and set that example. Especially us moms, any moms that are watching right now, it's so easy for us. And we feel like we have this right to worry about our kids and like, it's okay, but it's actually, it's not. And I mean, like you said, I'm preaching to myself right now because, especially for me this year, you know, I had homeschooled Drew the whole way and then I put him in public school this year. Mm. So I really experienced that worry and anxiety. But um, God says to not worry for a reason because he knows that it's not good for us and he doesn't want us to live that way. So I think as a mom, I realize it's so, not to say dads, I know you guys worry too, but as a mom, we just have this whole other level of worrying <laughs> about every little detail of our child. And we just got to learn to um, let go and give it to God. Because when we do that, not only do we feel peace, but we just enjoy being a mom more. I know for myself, yeah. like now I enjoy knowing that Drew's in school and I enjoy knowing he gets to interact with other people. And then I love hearing when he comes home, all his stories from his day. Uh, I had to release the worry that I had, I had to give it to God. I had to trust him over that situation in order to be able to now enjoy it. But I think a lot of times we get robbed of just the blessings and joy of our life because we just hold on to everything and want to worry about everything. Yeah. And I think that there is, there's an in-between and there's like a kind of a, a gap, I would say between uh, the, when worry is completely done in a, in a way with, in, in our situation right now, right? There's this in-between moment where we struggle with worry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we say don't worry, this is not like condemnation, like you're worrying, stop it. Like what's wrong with you <laughs> person? Right. Uh, because I think about like, there's, I love this, uh, story in Mark nine, where there's a, a father who has a son who has convulsions, uh, it sounds like epileptic fits and he throws himself into fire, into water to try to kill him. And he's just like, Jesus, have mercy, have mercy and help us if you can. And then Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. And I think that it's possible. Yes, absolutely. It's totally possible for us to completely eliminate worry from what's going on in our life. 
uh, because God has the power to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the father in this moment of honesty cries out. He says, I believe, I believe that I can, but help me overcome my unbelief. Right. Like help me overcome this disbelief. Help me in this in between where disbelief comes in and I've got to just, just wrestle through that. And, and I think that there's just kind of like a compassion that happens there, right? Mm. Where Jesus is is knowing that like we are going to wrestle with these things because we mm-hmm. just because we still have flesh, it's we still life. have things that we that we deal with. Yeah, we have situations that overwhelm us. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like Peter, like I just go back to Peter going out and walking on the boat. I mean, like, there's times when like God does amazing things and we walk on water, and then all of a sudden the situation gets so like big <laughs> and terrible or terrifying, and we sink because we yeah. we just lose sight of what's kind of happening, and and so I think that. It's, it's okay. It's part of the process to, to kind of continue to kind of put this back into practice. And that's why I have to, I think like diving into scripture, having these promises and mm-hmm. truths that we can hold on to, but also having people around us to support us, mm-hmm. people that you can trust that can point you back towards a place of belief when unbelief is, is going on right now or where disbelief is happening or where disappointment is happening or anxiety and depression is taking place. Have people that can kind of point you back towards the promises of God and, and really walk with you as you're kind of going through that, that process that, that Jesus did even with this, with this guy and with his father. I just think I, 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 that just always sticks out to me when it comes to the in-between for me where you have this belief that you know that, God can take away all of our worries and anxieties. Uh, but then you have the areas where just unbelief comes in. And we and, just got to take control. And struggling with that. Take yeah. control of your thoughts, you know, because so many times a worry thought comes in. And like you said, Daniel, you can't help it. But it's like, what do you do with that thought? Do you let it keep you up all night because you just let the story continue in your mind? Or do you stop that thought and say, okay, this is a worry anxious thought? okay, I'm going to now turn that into like Paul says, and I'm going to, you know, give it to God and trust him with the situation because you're right. You're going to, things are going to come at you all day long. Like, I mean, I know today I've already probably been worried about 10 things, you know, just getting here this morning. (laughs) It's just part, it's life. It's going to happen. Um, but I think it's, it's that learning to, okay, I just got an anxious thought. What do I do with this anxious thought? Do mm-hmm. I continue to let it feed at me or do I stop and give it to God? And that's that whole praying without ceasing. That's where that comes in, you know, yeah. and it doesn't have to be this really long, um, you know, religious speaking prayer. It can just be God. Oh, man, I am so like right now I'm getting really anxious thinking about this. Please, Lord, help me. And it yeah. can be that simple. Yeah. yeah. We uh, have uh, a couple people have joined in the conversation here. I just want to read their comments real quick. We have uh, Samantha Katine said, uh, anxiety is a terrible issue in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay English uh, had another question and said, is anxiety as big as it is in the world because so many people don't believe in God, so they don't know uh, that they can rely on him instead of themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, th- we don't have an answer for that, but I would say it, sh- it seems to be that there's a correlation there. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's higher, if, if God is less in our society than he's ever been at this point, which it seems to be true, um, and we have more anxiety in our society and within our, our people than we've ever had before, there's definitely a correlation there. Um, I think so. I think that a lot of the issues that we have right now within society 
um, so many of them will be solved if, if we could get God back into people's lives. Yeah. The farther people move away from him, it seems the more problems that we have within society because we lose sight of um, morality a lot of times because morality comes from mm-hmm. God. It comes from um, rules that we were given from him, and it's come from examples that he sets for us, um, just like how he honored um, Jacob by doing the right things and um, in and, and, and all of his interactions with Laban in a lot of those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you lose like up becomes down you know solid becomes liquid like just so many things there are no universal truths the more you remove remove god from society you lose your Mm -hmm. universal truths and without universal truths and without an up and a down and a black and white it's just chaos yeah and i think there's there's you don't have your northern star to point to at that point in time. So you're just wandering aimlessly. So yes, you do face more depression. Yes, you do face more anxiety. You face more problems altogether, I think, because of it. I agree, Brent. And I think another one of why we have so much anxiety is phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we get, we know right away if something, you know, if there's a hurricane in another country or so we get constant, like where it used to take days to find out, oh, this happened. We now get a ding on our phone and we're like, oh my gosh, this is happening in this area of the world. And this is what's happening here. And mm. politically, this is what's happening. And oh my gosh, what is going to happen with this? And, yeah. you know, it's just, we, we never have time to, uh, rest, let our minds rest. And we're constantly getting ding reminders of, you know, Facebook notifications and emails and, oh my gosh, should I text that person back? And so our word is constant. So that's why I do my best at just putting my phone down and trying to find times to unplug because I think the phones, I know I see it in the younger um, generation, they're growing up in this, you know, cell phone text world. Social media, yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing anxiety so much in our younger children because so many of our younger children never are anywhere that it's quiet. Yeah. There's always a TV. There's always music, noise, phones ringing, um, dings. They're just constant. Or they, they have a tablet in their face constantly. And I'm not, my kids play on tablets, but I just think um, there's too much of that. And yeah. I think just my own opinion from growing up from a time where there wasn't phones to now, I think that has part to, to blame with all the anxiety yeah. that we see. And it shortens attention spans. It causes yeah. um, that short attention span. Now, if you don't have something with you, something to do all the time, yes. it creates anxiousness. Yeah. Anxiousness is anxiety and it leads to that and it fosters that uh, inside of you. Daniel, it looks like you have something to say. I will ask um, when you're done, if you would pray for us to close us up too. Yeah, sure. We're, we're going long. long that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I said, I was just thinking that Lindsay, that's a great question because, and I think it's a, it's a multifaceted issue. I think that you're right. I think that, um, I think we have a lot of competing voices. Uh, we have a lot of competing voices right now for what is our value and what's valuable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if we value the wrong things, we're going to worry and desire the wrong things, you know, then that's going to consume us to try to get those things because hopefully that will make us happy or feel content. And I think that contentment is also a big piece of, of uh, worry and anxiety. It's kind of like the, like you would feel like worry uh, tends to lose its power the more content we become. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that, so with that, I think one of it is, my thought is that we have a lot of competing voices about how valuable we are and where our value comes from. And if we're, if we're hoping that our value comes from our peers or what people say about us, 
then I think that we're going to constantly be subject to uh, what the whims are of people. And, and so um, so I think that's one of the things that can drive us as far as anxiety. But I was just thinking about just our society and that our society, we have so many conveniences right now. I mean, we, we live in a very wealthy society. And there's a warning that uh, we get with wealth in the scriptures uh, that talks about there's going to be many pains, many, many pangs, they call it, in, te- in 1 mm-hmm. Timothy 6. I thought that was just a funny word. It's like fangs, but with a P. So it's like pangs. Uh, or like, <laughs> I know, like tang or something like that, like a great, like orange juice, you know, you get tang with pang. Um, but anyway, so it's like, but it talks about like, uh, it says that you get, uh, this is in First uh, Timothy 6, and it says that this is encouraging every... Uh, um, Anyone who, uh, let's see, sorry, let me make sure I'm getting in the right, yeah. Yeah, but it says that true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. Uh, after all, we brought nothing into uh, with us into this world, and we, can take, uh, we can't take anything with us when we leave it. And if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Uh, but let the people uh, who long to be rich, uh, but the people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, and so, and it says that they'll be pierced with many sorrows and pains. And I think that, and then he encourages us to be rich in good works. He says that in verse 17, he says, teach those who are rich in this world, not to be proud or to trust in money, which is so unreliable, but to trust the trust should be in God who richly gives all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them, uh, to use their money to do good, to be rich in good works and to be generous. And so I think that, uh, part of worry is that it's, you know, is that we're not trusting God with whatever it is, whatever the things that we desire for contentment, for mm-hmm. security, for safety, whatever it is we're worried about. It. We're worried about our kids. We're worried about our finances, worried about our house, worried about, you know, our jobs, worried about what's coming tomorrow, different things like that. And I think that it correlates so much with contentment and trusting God. Right. And so yeah. I think part of the, the worry is, is releasing uh, to God the things that we and to take what God has given us and hold it really loosely. Right. Hold yeah. it with an open hand. Uh, because I, I will say that when we've had financial worries uh, in our family, uh, the times that we've we've kind of battled that with generosity, the worry has gone away. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. And I know that sounds strange, but like in moments when we felt financially strapped, we felt, man, like how can we be generous to people that we know are probably in different situations or even harder situations that we're in right now? Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing and honing so much on what we're lacking, think about, man, like God has been generous and he's been so good to us. Um, so let's mm-hmm. let's practice and pursue contentment and pursue generosity, uh, because when we do love these things, they end up becoming pains and they end up becoming yeah. sorrows. Um, so hey, Shelly, good to see you, and Shelley. thanks for the emphatic yes. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I think that it's a complex issue. This is not something that we need to just kind of like now like go do like something extreme, but know that like it it is um, just like Abraham's had to God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac earlier that he was removing Isaac from his heart. And there's so many things that challenge uh, that challenge the throne of our heart to where our identity, our hope, our contentment is all lying in. And when it's not God, then we end up piercing ourselves with these awful pains. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's a deeper issue. Lindsay, that's a great question. And I think we can continue to like ask that mm-hmm. question and pursue it because uh, our, it's very evident that our society struggles. It has, it, it's an epidemic in our society for anxiety and depression. And I really think that the part of it is, is just, man, we're really discontent. Yeah. We yeah. have so much and we're so discontent. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, uh, so yeah, we've gone long, so yeah, no, just one thing to say real quick to kind of sum that up is just, uh, it's counterintuitive. You talk about, um, you're, you're tight on money. You're struggling with money. 
and you battle it with generosity. It's counterintuitive, right? But that's the way that God works because mm-hmm. our human nature makes us want to cling to it. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells us to give it away. Mm-hmm. And what are we supposed to be doing every day? We're supposed to be striving to be more and more like Jesus and be less and less like our fleshly um, mm-hmm. nature that we have, yeah. which makes sense. Mm-hmm. You want to go yeah. counterintuitive to what that is. So I think it's just beautiful just to kind of drive home the way that God works with us. So just uh, mm-hmm. just just focus on those things going forward. But Daniel, if you would pl- uh, pray to, to finish us up today, I'd appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, dear God, I just, um, I thank you so much that you, uh, are patient with us, that you, uh, help us in our unbelief, just like, uh, Jesus, you, you helped the father that was really struggling with his son that had epilepsy, that he believed, but you helped him in his unbelief. So father, I just pray that you would come with us in the in-between right now, whatever we're facing, whatever our listeners are facing, God, I just pray that you would uh, just bring your supernatural peace that covers our hearts and minds. May we release these things. May we ask you, God, for what we need. May we be verbal about what we need. May we ask, may we seek, may we knock, knowing that you are willing to open the door, whatever the situation is. So so give us the courage to ask, God, and, and help us to remember Help us to remember how good you are, how good you've been, how often you've intervened and you've rescued us and you saved us and you will continue to rescue us. So I pray that we will put our trust in you. And God, may we live out that trust by our actions. May we live out that trust that we know you're going to provide by being generous, by being content, by uh, by being willing to let go and release some of the wonderful gifts that you've given to us and hold it with open hands, knowing that when uh, the things that you, gifts that you give us are, uh, are handed back to you with open hands, you can do amazing things in, with them. But the things that we hold so tightly and with clutched fists, God, we prevent you from having access to them. So God, open up our hearts uh, God, we want to give you access to the our innermost desires, our innermost longings, uh, Father. And, and Lord, I just pray that there would be a wave of your peace that would pass through this world, that would pass in our nation and in our communities, God, that that peace would begin to fight the anxiety and the depression and all the mental illnesses that are, that are taking place in our world right now. And God, may we speak truth. But may we do it in a way, God, that is just so wrapped in your love, so full of love, that there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, but we encourage each other to take that next step, that step of boldness and trust and faithfulness, uh, of knowing that you provide and knowing that you're good, and that's who you are, that's your character. We've seen it from Genesis 1, and we know it's going to end amazingly in Revelations 22, so we know who you are, God. We know your character, so help us to take the whatever the situation is and trust you fully with it, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Um, So guys, that's going to wrap us up for today. Um, Thank you guys again so much for joining us. Uh, Daniel, as always, thank you. Um, Tiffany, thank you for being here so much and being a part of the conversation. We really appreciate it. And um, so, guys, that's going to be it. We're going to we're going to finish up there. I won't make it a long, drawn out thing today. But uh, just if you would uh, give us a share, if you like what we're doing here, having conversations, Um, we're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. Um, Rate and review us if you would and just share it around to other people, because we just want more people to be a part of this conversation so that we can all grow together. So anyway, um, thanks for joining us. And next Tuesday, we'll see you when we do this again.